Julie and I had been married for seven years when we had our first child, Karina. And that was the time when I still was working in the business world. And it was right about the time that we started our family that my company transferred us to a new city. And so we needed to find a new church. Well, we found a place to worship that seemed to have a pretty solid kids program, and we settled in. We'd only been attending there for about six weeks, though, when we all got sick. And so our family missed church for three Sundays in a row. And on our first Sunday back, something fantastic happened. I was walking into church, carrying Crane in my arms, and we turned a corner down this long hallway that we had to walk down to get to the nursery. And as we turned the corner at the end of the hallway, we could see Gina, one of the faithful volunteers, standing in the door of the nursery. And Karina, in my arms, looked up and saw Gina, and she let out a squeal of delight and held out her arms. And I thought, we are in the right place. We are in a church that's going to minister not just to me and my wife, but to our family. Because after just six weeks, Gina had impressed on my daughter that she was loved and cared for in that place. And my daughter was responding. We were at home. We were part of a church family that would minister to us as a family. And we saw that unfold over the next several years as Gina and so many others like her poured the love of Jesus into our children. And by investing time in our children, they not only taught them and instructed them and molded and shaped them in the ways of God, but they freed us to be able to worship and learn and grow as followers of Christ without distraction. In my view, Gina was doing some of the most important ministry work that can be done. She was investing in the next generation. And at the end of her life, she won't be rich. And she won't be famous, but she will have touched the lives of hundreds of children, and she will have been a blessing to their families. And I know that there will be people in heaven because of Gina, and because of all the people like her in God's family who choose to serve our children. Gina made the choice to leave a legacy of faith. One of the realities of life is that we all leave a legacy when we die. It might be a legacy of money and possessions or personal accomplishments. It might be a legacy of charitable giving or wonderful acts of kindness. I believe the greatest legacy we can leave is to pass our faith on to the next generation. And we can do that informally through our relationships, or we can do it formally through various teaching roles. Either way, we all have a role to play in leaving a legacy of faith. And God spells this out for us very clearly in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Let's take a look. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. 
Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now these are the words of Moses. Speaking to the children of Israel, he's passing on to the people words of instruction that he personally was given by God. And the purpose of these instructions is to take a group of former slaves so they can be transformed as individuals and formed into a community of faith. And I hope that you see the parallel with our own situation. When we were spiritually lost and separated from God, we were slaves to sin. And then when we became followers of Jesus, God began the process of transforming us as individuals and forming us into a community of faith called the church. And God always has a purpose for the people who comprise his community of faith. And so he gives them some specific instructions. Now these particular commands are very specifically for the nation of Israel. And yet we can glean some timeless principles that apply to the people of God in any place, in any age. For example, as I was reading, you may have noticed that verse 5 sounded rather familiar. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Jesus quoted those words. He quoted those words to remind us that loving God with all of our being is one of the greatest commandments of all. It applies to every believer in every age. And it's vital to understand that love as defined by God is so much more than a feeling. Love is actions. Love is behavior. And so when God teaches his people, when he teaches the community of faith, he doesn't just say, here's what you are to believe. He says, here is how you should live. And a key part of the life of faith, a key way that we demonstrate God's love in action is to be concerned not just for ourselves, but for the generations that will follow after us. And if we look again at this passage, and if we zero in on verses 1, 2, 6, and 7, God's intentions become very clear. Moses says, God directed me to teach you so that you and your children and your children will learn to fear the Lord. These commandments I give to you today, Moses says, are to be on your hearts and you are to impress them on your children. God taught Moses. Moses taught the people so the people would teach their children and their grandchildren. God wants the people to leave a legacy of faith. And we need to see that as Moses speaks these words and talks about children, he's not giving the instruction to teach specifically to parents. 
Moses didn't say, hey, moms, dads, come over here. I got some special words just for you. He's speaking to the entire community of faith. These words are given to everyone. And that means that the entire community of faith is responsible for investing in the lives of our children and our children's children. That's why whenever we do a dedication here, a baby dedication, a child dedication, one of the things we do is we ask the entire congregation to pledge to love, support, and care for that family that is dedicating that child. It's because we're all in this together. We all need the support, love, care of the family of faith. And so parents in the home and throughout daily life and other adults at church, oh, we all have the opportunity to invest together in all of our kids. And that's why I'm extremely grateful for those who respond to the nudge of the Holy Spirit when God calls and they say, yes, I'm willing to teach children. Those men and women are an example of exactly what Moses is talking about here. And as I hope you noticed in the slideshow, when kids in our ministry programs on Sunday morning, when they come in, it's about far more than just sitting down and getting a Bible lesson. It's about teachers spending time with children and doing a little bit of life together. There's Bible teaching, there's games, there's fun, there's activity. We're creating moments when teachers can speak into the lives of kids. And I love the fact that our teachers value that. They love to listen when a kid says, let me tell you about what happened at school this week. Let me tell you about my favorite book or movie or song or TV show. And when children and teens want to talk about the problems and challenges of their young lives. We have teachers who are willing to listen and offer godly advice. They're living out what Moses is talking about here because they want to impress God's truth into the lives of these young people and leave a legacy that will make a difference. And one of the challenges of teaching is that it is a ministry of faith because so often the results are not seen immediately. But for those who teach, they teach believing that what they do can and will make a difference, and oh, it does, because teaching is a ministry with a legacy. My wife's grandfather grew up in an unbelieving home. And as a teenager, he became a follower of Christ because some believers in his neighborhood loved him and introduced him to Jesus. And he started attending church and the men and women of that church poured their lives into him. They taught him. They were role models for him. They helped him understand here is what you need to know and here is how you need to live. And having been taught, Julie's grandfather then taught his children and his children taught their children. I think one of the main reasons that my wife had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home is because some people taught her grandfather. Teaching is a ministry with a legacy. We need to value those who teach. We can do more than just teach, though. You know, we also can be a 
blessing to the next generation. That's what Jesus models for us in the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. It says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. In the ancient Middle East, it actually was very common for parents to bring their children to a rabbi or to an elder and say, would you pray a blessing on my child? So it's actually a real honor for Jesus to be recognized as such a significant spiritual leader that parents want him to bless their children. The disciples evidently don't see it that way, though. They're, they're very annoyed. We might think they should be pleased that Jesus is being asked to do something that's so honorable and respectful. The problem is the disciples have their priorities wrong. Jesus has been in the midst of teaching and debating some Jewish religious leaders. And so the disciples view this request from the parents as an intrusive interruption. They evidently believe that Jesus has far more important things to do at this moment than pray over some kids. These kids are just not that important compared to what Jesus is doing with the grown-ups. Jesus clearly has a different view. He's more than willing to be interrupted. He obviously believes that children have great value in God's family. He's not saying that kids are the center of the universe. But he is saying they're worth our time and attention. And I think it's very powerful that Jesus not only welcomes these children, he also uses them as an example of the kind of faith that we all should have. He says here basically that anyone in any stage of life or at any age, if they respond to Jesus with simple and childlike trust, they can enter into the kingdom of heaven. The way children depend on adults is the way we need to depend on the heavenly father. And so Jesus not only welcomes these children, he uses them as an example of the kind of faith that, that we all should have. And he welcomes this interruption, he places his hands on the children, and he offers this prayer of blessing. Put yourself in the place of one of those children. Do you think you might remember that moment? I think you might. Jesus is blessing them and leaving a legacy as he prays for God to bless them in their present and in their future. I think Jesus also leaves us a legacy by his example. It's a legacy which reminds us not to neglect or ignore children, to be willing at times to endure their interruptions, and to look for those moments in the midst of daily life when we can bless them and show them God's loving care. And kids love to be around people who love them. When they find an adult who cares, that's who they want to spend time with. And one of the greatest blessings that we can give to children 
is our time and our attention. And we try and do that here at the church every Wednesday afternoon through our KidMax program. We have three dozen volunteers who willingly interrupt their lives in a significant way to show up here and to try and be a blessing to the children of the neighborhood around this church. And we have 65 to 70 kids who come here for four hours. And many of them are so hungry just to know that somebody cares. Some of them come in the door just looking for a hug. KidMax is a fascinating program because we do teach a short Bible lesson, but most of the program is not spiritual in nature. As you saw in the slideshow, we have volunteers teaching sewing and arts and crafts and science and all sorts of things. And yet it's in the midst of this time of interacting with kids and listening to them that natural opportunities emerge to talk with them about the ways of God. Help them learn how to solve problems using the wisdom God gives us in the Bible. To pray with them about the opportunities and challenges of life. That whole afternoon is an opportunity to impress God's truth into the lives of these children. Our goal is to be a blessing and to leave them with a legacy of God's love. And as we teach as we train, as we try to love kids in all kinds of ways, we find that there's a blessing, there is a blessing that comes from leaving a legacy. And I believe it's summarized in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I I love the book of Proverbs. It's a collection of wise sayings that are given by us to God for our instruction. And they help us understand how to make God a priority in our lives. And, And the Proverbs help us understand how to live as godly men and women. Here's an important point, though. These are not ironclad guarantees. Otherwise, this would be be called the book of promises. It's not. And so Proverbs 22.6 is not a guarantee that every child will turn out well. This is, however, wise, godly advice for every parent to follow, for every church to follow as we invest in our children together because quite often when children stray from the truth, they will turn back at some point. And the wisdom of this verse is to tell us that only is going to happen if they know God's truth, if they've been taught and equipped. And so we invest in children and we teach them God's ways. And in doing so, we give them a blessing they may not even fully realize as children. But God's truth can give their life strength. It can keep them connected to God as they deal with the challenges of moving from childhood to adulthood. And God's truth can be a lifeline to which they can grasp when they find life caving in on them. And when they may find themselves lost apart from God, God's truth reminds them, this is where I turn. This is how I find my way back to the Heavenly Father. When we invest in kids and give them God's truth, 
It's a great legacy. And it's a legacy that can rescue kids who wander away. My friend Stanley is a case in point. He was raised in the church by loving, godly parents. He made a profession of faith. He was baptized. He became a follower of Jesus. And then in his 20s, it all kind of fell apart. He got into the partying scene, was attracted by the wildlife, started drinking heavily, and he became an alcoholic. And for 20 years, he wandered in the spiritual wilderness spending many days in an alcoholic haze. His mother never gave up. She was a woman of prayer. And she organized a team at our church, a team of men and women, and every day, every day without fail, they prayed for Stanley, for his sobriety, and for him to turn back to God. And one day, out of the blue, it happened. Stanley just showed up in church, unkempt and bedraggled and looking like a wreck. But he had a new look in his eye and he said, I'm a broken man. I've tried to do it my way and I have failed miserably. I've made a mess of things and I know that there is no other option in life but for me to trust God. And I said, Stanley, after all these years, what prompted the change? And he said, I finally realized that I was a slave to my desires. And one Bible verse kept running through my head. The one where Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said, oh, do I need to be set free. And I know the truth. My mom taught me the truth. All of those faithful teachers at church taught me the truth. And it's time for me now to hold on to that truth and live it out and let God set me free. And so Stanley was set free by Jesus. He's now been sober for more than 25 years. And his life is a great example of the grace of God. His life reminds us that that our God loves to give people second chances. His life demonstrates that teachers impart a rich legacy into the lives of children, and that legacy can be an incredible blessing. It's a legacy that can help keep children closely connected to God as they grow up. That's the story of my wife. It's a legacy that can help them find their way back to God if they wander away. That's the story of Stanley. Both of them were given a great legacy by the men and women who taught them. And We all owe so much to those who teach and invest in the next generation. And we want to take a minute now to publicly recognize those in our church who dedicate themselves to a very noble task. We want to honor those men and women who work with children from birth up through the 12th grade. And so the specific group we want to thank this morning includes the following people. Anyone who's a teacher or helper or aide or assistant or works at the checkout table in children's Sunday school or kid venture, either as a regular or a substitute, anyone who works with the youth group on Sunday nights, and anyone who works with Kid Max on Wednesdays, either as a regular 
or as a substitute. So if you fall into one or more of those groups, I want to invite you to come forward right now and stand right down front. I know many of you hate to be up front, but I would like you to do this. And I see you're here, so please come down front because we want to thank you and recognize you. We are so grateful for all of you. Some of you are very new at this, and some of you have been doing this faithfully for many years. Some of you take time away from your work to invest in kids. And some of you have retired from work, but you've chosen not to retire from ministry and service. And all of you are choosing to invest in the next generation and to help leave a legacy of faith. So we thank you and we commend you and we want to pray for you and ask God to bless you. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these men and women. We know they're just a portion of those who serve in our church. Many of them are in classrooms right now working. We'll get a chance to thank them in the next hour. But Father, we appreciate these people. We appreciate the fact that they have responded to your call and are serving you because you've given them a heart for children and youth. We know, Father, that teaching is not always easy. We know that there are those incredible moments when kids are just rude and abrasive and obnoxious and and disobedient and disrespectful. In fact, they're just a lot like us. (laughs) But, Father, in those moments, give our teachers grace. Give them patience. When children talk about the problems of their young lives, give them wisdom so they can speak God's truth. Help them teach our kids and teens how to pray how to know you well. And Lord, I pray that you would help our teachers to see the fruit of their efforts and to realize that this ministry in which they are invested truly is a ministry with a great legacy. It's a ministry that can impact kids now and far into the future, even after we're gone. So we thank you for them, and we ask you to bless them. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. God bless you. (laughs) Teaching, blessing, the legacy of faith. Teachers do it in very specific ways with kids and youth. We all can do it in all kinds of ways. Think back again to that scripture in Deuteronomy. There's a community involvement here. And all of us, whether we're parents or grandparents, aunts and uncles, maybe we have no kids at all, but we're just friends of people who have kids. The fact is, each of us within our circle of influence and within the relationships that we have, every one of us has an opportunity to leave a legacy of faith to the next generation. And what I invite you to pray over and ponder this week is this question. Lord, how are you inviting me to leave a legacy of faith by influencing the people that you put into my life? As we all do that together, the kingdom of God will grow and increase.